So our passage today is Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. As people are finding it in their Bibles, you can also, it'll be projected if you'd rather look at it there. Be thinking about your sphere of influence as we ease into this week's text. Think about your sphere of influence. Think about who you interact with on the average week and who you influence in the average week. Then your home or your neighborhood or your workplace, in the community, at school, maybe your extended family, through your digital communication and interactions. Just get in mind a general picture of the people within your sphere of influence. Now, what do you think they notice about you? If we were to interview them all, what do you notice about fill in the blank? What do you notice about Katie? What do you notice about Kathy? What do you notice about Matt? What do you think they would say? What would stand out to them about you? What effect do you think you are having on the people in your sphere of influence? If we were to interview them and ask them that question, what, what impact has this individual made in your life? What do you think they would write down? As we return to the Sermon on the Mount here, picking up where we left off, we're going to see that as God's people, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are meant to stand out and we are meant to have an effect on the people around us. He uses two images to help us understand it, and I brought some pretty impressive visual aids. He uses two images to help us understand the way we're supposed to stand out and the effect that we're supposed to have on people as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Salt and light. And I'll bet this is a familiar passage to many of you. So let's read it and absorb it as best we can. Starting in verse 13, we'll read the whole passage and then we'll go back to verse 13 and look at it more closely. So Jesus here, he's preaching what's known now as a Sermon on the Mount to his followers. He's gone through the Beatitudes. He's laid out the unique character and ethic of the kingdom of heaven and the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And then last week we saw sort of a transition, a couple of statements. He said just about the fact that as citizens of his kingdom, we can expect persecution among the kingdoms of the world. And now we're at verse 13, and he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people, put a, uh, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So let's just look at the, the two images that he gives us one at a time. The first one is salt. This is a salt shaker. I couldn't find a more classic-looking salt shaker, but you are the salt of the earth. That's what he says there in verse 13, the first part. You are the salt of the earth. Not you ought to be salt of the earth. You are 
as God's people, as Christians, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, you are the salt of the earth. Now, there's a lot written about what exactly does he mean by the salt, because salt served a couple of different functions back then, just like it does today. Is it a preservative kind of function? Is that what he's talking about? Well, I think it's always best, I know it's always best, to let the Scripture speak for itself. So let's see what he has in mind as we read on into the verse. What does he mean, you are the salt of the earth? It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So his point about the salt has to do with the taste of it. And he's saying if salt has no distinct taste or flavor, what is the good of it anymore? It's not good for anything. It might as well just be tossed out. If you were about to sit down to eat dinner and I handed you this and said, hey, here's some uh, white flecks you can sprinkle over your food. You say, well, what does it taste like? Well, it doesn't taste like anything. It's just some white flecks, little white bits. You can sprinkle it over your food. You can sprinkle it in your water if you want to. There's no taste to it. Like, would you use it? No, I don't want tasteless white flakes in my food. The whole point of salt is its saltiness. And so if it loses that distinct taste, it is worthless and should just be tossed out. Your distinct taste is essential for your usefulness as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've told you before, as a kid, I would often wonder, well, why when someone becomes a Christian, doesn't God just zap them right off the earth at that moment and take them to heaven immediately? He's left us here for a reason. Part of that reason is that we are meant to stand out. We are meant to be distinct from the other people of this earth, from all the other people that are citizens of all the other nations. We, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, are distinct. We have a distinct flavor, and that's on purpose. That's valuable about you as a Christian. So, Tim is not just another leader at Toyota. He is a Christian at Toyota. He brings the character and the ethic of the kingdom of heaven with him into Toyota. And so he shouldn't expect to be exactly like everyone else there because not everyone else there is a Christian. Not everyone else there is going to be salty like that. Martha is not just another driver or monitor in the school system transportation program. She is a Christian there. She brings with her the whole culture of the kingdom of heaven into her work there. Isaac is not just another student at UNCW. He goes back this week, by the way. Hard to believe summer's almost over. He, he goes back to UNCW, not just as another student among all the other students, exactly the same as every one of them. He goes bringing this distinct flavor of the kingdom of heaven with him into UNC, am I saying that right? UNCW, yeah, didn't seem right. We've seen a little bit of what this flavor profile is when we looked at the Beatitudes. Where we go in our sphere of influence, we bring this unique kingdom of heaven flavor with us of poverty of spirit, a recognition of our spiritual need. 
as opposed to, to arrogance and self-sufficiency. We bring this sense of mourning, the sense of brokenness over our sin and the sin that we see around us, as opposed to numbness and callousness to the brokenness around us. We bring meekness as opposed to arrogance or hostility. We bring a hunger and thirst for righteousness as opposed to self-satisfaction. We bring mercy as opposed to mercilessness. We bring purity of heart as opposed to hypocrisy. We come making peace as opposed to aggravating divisions. And that's just part of what makes us distinct as Christians in this world and why we are here. And the distinction is on purpose and the distinction is valuable because you are the salt of the earth. But that image doesn't capture everything. He has an additional one. Not sure if this will roll off or not. You are also the light of the world. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. So if the salt indicates distinctiveness, Light indicates display. You are the light of the world. You are on display. As we read on, we see exactly what he means. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So how are we the light of the world? Well, he gives two, two ways. One in, one in which he's saying you can't be hidden. You will stand out. Just like a city on the side of a hill at night that's all lit up is visible to those looking at it in the distance. I always think of coming home from Blowing Rock at night and looking down on the valley and seeing the city lit up down there. Like there's no way that they could hide those lights. So in one sense, you can't stay hidden. You absolutely will stand out. In another sense, He's saying you wouldn't want to anyway. He uses the, just a simple, obvious imagery, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. At your house, you don't get a new lamp, and put a new bulb in it, and plug it in, and then roll it under your bed. You put it on your nightstand. Why? so that the light that it projects can fill the whole room. That's the whole point of it. That's why our lights, they're up here. They're not like under the pews. God leaves us in the world because we're distinct and because he means to display our distinction in this world. Kingdom citizens are just different from the citizens of every other nation. It's just a fact. Again, it's not even that you should be, it's that you are. And so we should fully expect to feel different, to operate differently, to think differently. We don't have the same definition of the good life as other people do. For us, the good life is a life of self-sacrificial worship and service in the name of Jesus Christ. That's not the same definition of the good life that we see in magazines and brochures and advertisements. We don't, we don't treat people that we dislike the same way as people that are not citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We don't deal with our enemies the same way. We'll be told here in a few passages to pray for our enemies and bless them. 
That's not the way the nations of this world operate. We don't operate in our relationships the same way. We don't view money the same way. We don't use our words in the same way. We don't prioritize our time in the same way. There's a lot that is going to be distinct and different about us, and that's good and valuable and on purpose. It's part of the design. God has scattered his kingdom citizens out among the nations of all the world like salt over a plate of food, and it's on purpose. You know, some of our favorite movies are what they call fish-out-of-water movies. I guess you, that can go for any story, but I'm more of a movie guy. Uh, the classic one when I was growing up was Crocodile Dundee. Anybody remember Crocodile Dundee? I always make these 90s movie references, and I look out there, and nobody seems to have a clue what I'm talking about. Crocodile Dundee? Okay. It's a classic fish-out-of-water story of this uh, this Australian guy from the outback that gets brought into a city in America. And what's so interesting and hilarious about it is how he is of a completely different culture. And he's trying to walk around this foreign culture and make sense of things. And so much of it is just laughable to him. And so much about him stands out as just so absurd to the people of New York City. That's, that's our life story as Christians. We are citizens of a foreign land with a completely different culture. And so it makes sense when we walk around and when we turn on the TV that we're scratching our heads pretty often. What on earth are the people of this land doing? Why do they value what they value? Why do they act the way they act? And they should look at us and do in the exact same way. Why are those Christians so different from the rest of us? The only thing that makes it different, and I thought about this on the ride over here, and this probably isn't helpful at all, but I feel like it's a distinction I have to make. Our story is reversed, though. So like Crocodile Dundee, he came over, and his first experience in this land was of a drastically different culture. And then he gradually got used to it a little bit at a time. Ours is different because we were of this culture and then have been transformed through what Jeff talked about, through the new birth and regeneration. Now we're increasingly less comfortable here. As we grow as Christians, we become more distinct. We don't get more used to this foreign land. We get more different, and we become more out of place as time goes, waiting for Jesus to return and bring our actual kingdom, our, our city here. So that's just, just, I just thought about that on the way here. I was like, it actually is the opposite. So we should expect and embrace the fact that we are distinct and we're on display as distinct. We're both like salt and we're like light here in this world. So what do we do with that? In verse 16, we are told to let our light shine. That's where we land as we think about this salt and light imagery, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So in other words, don't resist it, embrace it. This is who we are. We are citizens of a foreign future kingdom here in a foreign land. And we don't need to assimilate. We don't need to enculturate. Uh, This isn't a melting pot situation where we melt into the cultures around us. We stay distinct. That's an important aspect of who we are as Christians. We live out our distinct Christian character before a watching world. Have the dimmer switch turned all the way up as bright as we can be. We're not going to fit in, and that's good. 
And when we live this way, people will see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. And I'm not even thinking about like Mother Teresa level good works. Just regular everyday Christianity lived out will be noticeable and will glorify our Father. I think back to high school. You know, we many of us were Christians already by the time we were in high school, but not many of us had matured very much at all. I had not matured very much at all as a Christian high schooler. But we had this one guy in our friend group who had, somehow, the Lord had especially blessed him, and he had really matured as a young Christian man in high school. His name's Garen. I've mentioned him probably to you before. And so he stood out. He was distinct. Even among us immature Christians, he stood out as distinct. And it wasn't because he was Mother Teresa of Piedmont High School. It was because he wasn't trying to look awesome. Like that alone made him distinct from every other guy in the high school. He did not seem to care if he looked awesome or not. He wasn't trying to look awesome, and he refused to make fun of people. That was the main two things that made him stand out. He didn't try to look awesome, and he didn't make fun of people. Making fun of people was like the only thing that we had. That's the only way we could communicate. We'd make fun of each other. We would make fun of that guy over there. Anybody and everybody. We were so immature in our Christianity. But Garen would just, just stand apart from all that. Or if we got too rough, he would defend the person that we were making fun of. He stood out amongst us just by just that little bit of flavor, that kingdom flavor that was on him that we hadn't yet fully absorbed because we were just little baby Christians, little immature baby Christians. I fast forward a little bit. I think about uh, um, some of my work experiences. That's where uh, the best evangelism always happened for me as I grew as a Christian was at work. And I imagine that's the same for you guys. But one of my, my jobs was at the Olive Garden. I was a waiter on wait staff there. And it was far enough away from the Bible college that it wasn't inundated with fellow Christians and Bible college people. So it was like normal people. And I was there. And I look back on it now, and I see how I stood out like a sore thumb. And people, not even knowing that I went to Bible college or anything, like quickly I could tell they, they were scratching their heads at me and my behavior. And I could tell that they looked at me as almost like a little bit of a different category than the rest of our co-workers. But I wasn't there handing out gospel tracts all day, and I wasn't standing on a table preaching to everybody. But I do look back and see that I stood out because I was growing as a Christian, and so I didn't gripe as much as everybody else did about our bosses and our customers. That was, at least in that restaurant, I don't know if it's that way in every restaurant, you go back in the kitchen, and that's just what you do. You complain about your boss, you complain about your, the table, your customers, and how aggravating they are. But growing as a Christian, I at least like to think I did that less. I'm not going to say I was perfectly above all that. I think that made me stand out. Just the fact that I had enough respect for our boss and our customers not to be complaining about them all the time. And I didn't get sucked into the gossip. There was also a lot of gossip that went on among the staff there. And as a Christian, my taste for gossip uh, was getting less and less and less as it does as you grow as a Christian. And so because of that, I stood out. And it was obvious I didn't come from the same place that they all did. We came from different cultures. In my culture, we don't value griping and complaining and gossiping. Kingdom of heaven, that's just not a value. That's not something that's celebrated in the kingdom of heaven. But among them, it was. That's how they built relationships with each other. 
So I just share those to point out that letting your light shine and embracing your distinctive display as Christians doesn't mean that you're going to have to uh, do these amazing heroic acts of goodness, though it could, and I would never discourage you from that. But you'll be amazed just everyday faithfulness to the simple tenets of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus teaches, how it will make you stand apart and how it will bring glory to our Father. So we began thinking about our spheres of influence, and we'll end there as well. So think again about the people that you interact with, have an effect on in your day-to-day weekly life. Think about your family, your neighbors, at work, whoever it is, school. Have you embraced your identity as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven through faith in Jesus Christ, your identity as salt and light where you are? What would it look like for you to further embrace that this week? What might shift or change if you walked into your workplace with this mindset on, I am here as an emissary of a foreign kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, to live out my culture before watching eyes? What would that look like? Maybe the Holy Spirit will just nudge you and prompt you a couple of very practical ways that you can live this out this week. Let's pray for that right now. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be citizens of your kingdom. Thank you for plucking us up out of our sin and rebellion and selfishness and cleaning us up, empowering us to believe in Jesus, adopting us as your children, giving us citizenship in your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would help us, each and every one, to just live that out, to live out our distinct character and ethic and values, to be little representatives of Jesus Christ everywhere we go, to let our light shine forth as such that the watching world will see our good works, both big and small, and will give glory to our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.